This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As transgender and non-binary people gain more visibility in the media and among the public, more Americans are identifying as a different gender from the sex they were assigned at birth. About 5% of U.S. adults younger than 30 say they identify as trans or non-binary. That's according to a new survey from the Pew Research Center. Anna Brown is a research associate with the nonpartisan think tank, and she joins us now. Hi, Anna. Welcome back to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Give us the biggest takeaways from this report. Sure. So we did a two-part study. Uh, so this spring, we conducted a series of focus groups of transgender and non-binary adults. And we also surveyed the general public to learn more about how the public views issues related to, to gender identity. Uh, so we'll be releasing more results from the survey later this summer. But for now, we're looking at the share of the population that is trans or non-binary and the share who say that they know someone who's trans or non-binary. Uh, so like you said, uh, about 1 in 20 adults younger than 30 are trans or non-binary, mm-hmm. um, and 1.6% of all U.S. adults uh, are trans or non-binary. And we also found that 44% of U.S. adults know someone who's trans, and that number has been rising. How did you choose a, a representative sample of U.S. adults for the study? So we talked to about 10,000 respondents who are all panelists on the American Trends Panel, which is Pew Research Center's nationally representative survey panel. So these are adults from all over the U.S. Uh, we weight the data using variables like age, education, political affiliation, and a lot more um, to ensure that the panelists closely resemble the overall adult population. The data is also broken down by political party. What did you find there? Yeah, so Democrats are more likely to know someone who is transgender than Republicans are, but the gap between them is actually narrowing. So just a year ago, there was a gap of 13 percentage points between the two groups, and now it's only a six-point gap. Wow. Well, the survey also took education level into account, which I, I found interesting. Why was this an important category to have Well, education is just one of many different demographic characteristics that we like to use to analyze our findings. In this particular context, I think it was an interesting thing to look at uh, because in our focus groups, we found that some of the trans and non-binary adults we talked to uh, had first heard about being trans or had first met a trans person when they were in college. I see. You um, you also worked on a, a Pew survey last year and uh, that was asking similar questions. Can you talk about how those numbers differ from what you found now? Yeah, so the 44% uh, who know a trans person now, that's up slightly since this time last year. And it's actually up from 37% in 2017. Um, and in this survey, we asked uh, whether you know a non-binary person, and we found that 20% do. Um, last year, we didn't ask the same question, but we asked if you know anyone who goes by gender-neutral pronouns, mm, like okay. they instead of she or he. Uh, and we found that 26% said they did. And that has been rising since 2018. And uh, we should note, we're talking a lot about um, young adults, so adults younger than the age of 30. But can you tell us how survey numbers vary for adults who are over 30? Yeah, so about 5% of those younger than 30 said their gender is different from their sex assigned at birth. Uh, and that compares with 1.6% of those who are 30 to 49 and just 0.3% of those who are 50 or older. So it's it, you're seeing more of it with the younger population. Yes. There's been a, a lot of past and proposed legislation in different states across the country, uh, all looking to strictly define a person's gender. 
you and other researchers at the, at the Pew Research Center, you conducted a series of focus groups really trying to better understand feelings behind these moves. Tell us who you spoke to and what you found. Yeah, so we talked to 27 transgender and non-binary adults. These are people who self-identified as trans and non-binary. We did a series of online focus groups in March of this year. And these people are from a wide range of backgrounds. They ranged in age from their late teens to their mid-60s. They represented different races and ethnicities. Um, and kind of similarly, we saw a big range of diversity in their views and opinions. So from how they think about and describe their own gender to how they feel about medically transitioning to how they see their place in the LGBT community, we saw a lot of different views. Mm-hmm. And it is important to note that these focus groups weren't designed to be representative of the entire population of trans and non-binary adults. So this is just a glimpse into the lives of the people we spoke to, and we can't actually generalize to what we uh, what we learned to the general public. And, and so we're clear, when it comes to how a non-binary person describes their gender, what words do they use? Yeah, this was a really interesting thing we found. Non-binary people describe and they even like conceptualize their gender in different ways. So some people said that they're neither a man or a woman. Some said that one day they might feel like a man and another day they feel more like a woman. And some felt like they didn't have a gender at all. Um, so most of the people we talked to did see themselves in the term non-binary, mm-hmm. but a lot of people preferred other terms like genderqueer or agender or gender fluid. Um, so, and also a lot of the non-binary participants also identified with the term transgender, but not all of them. I see. And as you're, you're talking to these folks and, and hearing different experiences, what challenges did they discuss when it came to navigating their gender on a day-to-day basis? So I'm thinking of things like choosing a bathroom or a dressing room to use. Yeah, so participants cited both positive and negative experiences that they've had navigating the world as a trans or non-binary person. Um, as far as negative experiences, some said that people would sometimes use the wrong pronouns to refer to them or call them sir or ma'am when they considered themselves to be neither a sir or a ma'am. Um, and sometimes this was coming from the participants' own families or loved ones and other times uh, just from strangers. And there were other negative experiences, too, like being denied job opportunities because they were trans, um, even being humiliated in public or experiencing physical attacks. Mm. Now, um, how much a person wants to engage in gender presentation, that can change for every person, as you've you've pointed out. And, And some don't strive to pass as cisgender. Your focus group didn't look at that specifically, but... You did ask how comfortable folks were, um, how they felt with others knowing their gender identity. Mm -hmm. What did participants say there? Yeah, so a lot of participants described kind of a constant calculation in their head about whether they should come out as trans or non-binary in any given situation. Mm -hmm. So for some, they felt it was kind of on a need-to-know basis. And for others, it kind of depended on how safe and comfortable they felt. Um, one thing that a lot of people brought up was uh, kind of life at work. Um, that was one area where some people were kind of wary about being open about their identity as a trans really? or non-binary person. Some people were worried that it might be seen as unprofessional. Some kind of wanted to be sure that they were known for their good work and not known for being a trans or non-binary person. And some just felt like it wasn't anyone's business. Mm. So it was it was a little difficult to navigate at work, but but... Did they say anything about the kind of gender-affirming support they got from friends 
or family or even healthcare providers? Yeah, the people we spoke to found support in a lot of different places. Um, so a lot of people cited their friends or uh, chosen families and also in some cases their um, blood relatives, uh, their therapists and doctors, religious communities, um, LGBT cases, and I thought this was really interesting to learn. A lot of the things that they found most affirming were things that were just small moments in their lives, but kind of had a big impact on them, like a trans man walking into a barber shop and just kind of being accepted as one of the guys and feeling like he fit in Mm -hmm. uh, in that space. Interesting. Did the series of focus groups talk about access to gender affirming care or is that something that you plan on studying later? Yeah, we did ask about medical transitions. Um, A lot of our participants had received medical care as part of their gender transition, but it wasn't everyone. Um, So medical transitions include things like hormones, surgery, even things like, you know, laser hair removal. Um, And for those who hadn't undergone a medical transition, I would say financial situation was one of the big barriers that they talked about. So some people's insurance wouldn't cover it and the out-of-pocket costs were too much. Mm, Okay. Um, Some other people said they were just really nervous about undergoing a medical procedure in general, and some other people said they just didn't feel like that was the right choice for them. I see. Very interesting. Anna Brown's a research associate at the Pew Research Center. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much.